Velkommen til Europæiske Ideer, informationspodcast-serie, hvor tidens førende tænkere giver os deres originale perspektiver, analyser og fortællinger fra det Europa i forandring. Dagens tænker er den franske universitetsprofessor Olivier Roy, der regnes for en af verdens kyndigste islameksperter. Og hans kongeniale samtalepartner er den danske islamprofessor og religionshistoriker ved Københavns Universitet, Jakob Skovgaard Petersen. Podcasten er en liveoptagelse fra den internationale forfatterscene i Dronningesalen på det Kongelige Bibliotek og udviklet i samarbejde med arrangørerne. Temaet for samtalen er, hvordan er det muligt at udvikle en islam med et europæisk og demokratisk ansigt. En islam, der både er religiøst, autentisk, moderat og kompatibel med demokratiets og menneskerettighedernes sekulære orden. Rigtig god fornøjelse. I suppose uh, better begin. Um, Emmanuel Macron announced that he would be inaugurating a new policy of Islam in France. What does that entail, and what, how do you assess his uh, statement? Well, uh, you know, the first uh, who spoke to uh, set up uh, a French Islam uh, uh, was the ministry, uh, Minister of Interior in 1989, and since that, every government, every president, every prime minister, every minister of interior said that we should set up a French Islam. So it's the Uptin declaration on setting up a French Islam. I am a bit more optimistic this time because I think that uh, President Macron has the political will and a bit more than the political will that he has a feeling, you know, Uh, uh, is more open, not towards Islam, but towards religion, mm-hmm. uh, which in France, which is, as you know, uh, very, very uh, secular-minded, uh, 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 you need to have somebody who thinks about religion you know, to organize this kind of thing. Now the problem is, what do you call a, f- a French Islam, or a European Islam, or a Danish Islam, what you want? What is it, you know? A moderate Islam, ha. What is a moderate religion? You know? uh, uh, the will of God. Uh, is this something you can negotiate? Or how do you interpret that? No. The problem is that in our secular society, and specifically in France, we tend to consider that a moderate believer is somebody who believes moderately. No. And of course, the religious people, they don't accept this definition of moderation. They believe. No. And the problem is that a secular state cannot uh, uh, intervene uh, in theology. No? A secular state cannot appoint, you know, appoint theologians. Dictators can say that. But we are we're supposed to be in a democracy and in a republic. You know? mm. So you cannot give orders to theologians, and you cannot create an official religion, Islam or not. You cannot appoint a clergy. You cannot finance uh, 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 mosques or churches mm. and so What we are discussing, what Macron, his kind of dilemma, is uh, not just the French constitution, it's the whole idea of religious engineering, that you can somehow make a religion that you want to have, even not your own religion, which is actually pretty preposterous when you come to think of it, and it's not going to work. Well, uh, if you want to uh, uh, set up 
French Islam, you have to start with the Muslims, and precisely with the middle classes, the new middle classes, or the new elites, because we have elites, we have Muslim middle class, or at least you know a middle class of people who have a Muslim background. These people are very individualistic. They are very integrated. They don't want to speak uh, for Islam. They don't want to be seen as going to the mosque and so. But uh, among them, we have many believers. So the idea is to tell them, okay, you have a responsibility now. You don't want to be imams, uh, of course. You are not trained to be theologians. But you have a social responsibility uh, to help. Uh, to create from inside, you know, not necessarily and not not a church, you know, uh, but institutions, uh, uh, training uh, places, uh, and I would say uh, 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 think tanks, places when you can discuss uh, uh, about religion, theology, and so. Uh, and there is also um, uh, uh, Muslim businessmen, and so uh, uh, they could also help. In, in uh, financing that, so um, the, the initiatives should not come from the state, which is constitutionally impossible. Initiatives should come from the new Muslims elites. You made a number of comparisons of uh, Islamism um, to the European left, and how it had al also radicalized in the 60s and 70s, uh, including all the way to terrorism. Uh, uh, you know, I had uh, uh, an experience of uh, extreme left uh, uh, in France in the 60s, uh, which is uh, very good things if you are able to get out you know, uh, uh, quite rapidly. And uh, when traveling in the Middle East, in Iran, in Afghanistan during the 70s and the 80s, I was in touch with the militants, not the big ayatollahs and so, but the guys of my age. Uh, uh, which uh, who were demonstrating in the street, fighting, you know, in Afghanistan with the Kalashnikov, and so. And what we all uh, 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 discovered very soon that in this so-called, you know, religious uh, fundamentalist political movements, yes, you have the turbans of the uh, uh, mullahs and so. But the guys who are really doing the job are young lay. Uh, militants who studied engineering, um, who have uh, uh, almost no religious training, and who most of them started from, uh, I would say, an anti-imperialist position. It's very clear with the Hezbollah. The guys now who are in their 50s, 60s, many of them uh, were members of an extreme left movement uh, in London in the 70s. So the theme of yours, also in the second half of the 90s, when you published with Farida Adelha, was the idea that Islamism had had its day, that everything had become Islamized to the point where you have to ask, is this Islamization of society or trivialization of Islam? Now next comes 9-11, and the, the concept of post-Islamism doesn't appear too clearly anymore or too convincing anymore. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, there was something more in post-Islamism. There was the idea that uh, of Islamo-nationalism. You know, that in fact, these movements, the Muslim Brothers, uh, uh, Erbakan uh, in Turkey, uh, Romani in Iran, uh, have and Hamas in uh, uh, Palestine, that they have uh, Islamized nationalism, and that the strategic logic 
of uh, these movements are nationalist. Right? So uh, after the failure of uh, political Islam, which is the concept of an uh, Islamic nation state, which was a failure, then the, uh, uh, the concept of Islamism, of jihad, is on the market, but is deterritorialized. It is no more linked with the national movement, uh, with the nation state, or with a given culture. And here, the, the precursor was uh, Abdel Azam, the, the guy uh, who created what, will become, uh, what would become uh, Al-Qaeda. He organized in Afghanistan uh, in the mid-80s brigades of uh, uh, Islamic volunteers coming uh, at the beginning from the Middle East you know, to fight in Afghanistan against the Soviets. And Abdel Azam had a clear strategy. Uh, it's a big mistake to fight for an Islamic state. Because if we fight for an Islamic state somewhere, we will be taken by nationalism, tribalism, ethnicity, national interest, all these things, you know. Uh, uh, we should fight at the global level. And to fight at the global level, we need a new kind of militants. We need people uh, who are totally detached from uh, their family, their tribes, their clans, their ethnicity, their race, uh, their nation, their citizenship, what you want, you know. Uh, uh, we should train a generation of professional jihadists uh, who are devoted to jihad and who are not attached to a specific society. Mm. These guys were not terrorists. Uh, uh, they never uh, uh, attacked uh, Soviet civilians, they never attacked Soviet embassies. Uh, then Abdullah was replaced by Osama bin Laden. Mm. And Osama bin Laden took the organization but turned it into a global terrorist organization. Uh, a global jihadi terrorist organization. And on this uh, issue of territory, Ben Laden was very clear. He said, we should not establish a territorial Islamic state somewhere, because it's the end of the story if we do that. Uh, uh, we should fight uh, uh, the, the uh, EVOL, so that's uh, the Americans, or the West, you know, uh, at the global level, at the global level. And of course, his idea was that uh, the West is fragile. If you strike you know, at the core of uh, Western culture, uh, the West will collapse. But even this strategy, you know, that was to use nomad jihadists, guys who uh, 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 could come from everywhere and would join the global jihad, well, at the end, uh, they failed, and uh, Osama bin Laden was killed. So, at this time, Zarqawi in Iraq came on the scene and said Al-Qaeda was wrong. The global jihad could work only if we have a territorial basis. So, he decided to establish a caliphate between uh, Damascus and Baghdad. But the idea was this caliphate is not a state in the sense that he has no boundaries. It's a moving caliphate. We start from here, but we will expand uh, at least to uh, Morocco and to uh, India. So that was the, the idea. Uh, but um, the failure of political Islam uh, very logically entailed you know, this kind of uh, global nomadic uh, uh, jihadism, which is uh, very efficient in terms of propaganda, in terms of psychological uh, effect you know, on the uh, moral of the Western societies, but which strategically simply doesn't work. You, know. you made a distinction between Islamism and neo-fundamentalism. At the time, it was also a kind of a, a language, but it was also meant to illustrate that these people are not traditional. Mm. They are somehow doing mm. something new, although they wouldn't mm. say that themselves. It, it looks so religious, and it is very. it has a strong religious emotion and identification, 
but it lacks a certain grounding mm. at the same time. How do you think of the word fundamentalism or neo-fundamentalism? Are they useful words? Uh, of course, of course, you know, uh, neo-fundamentalism is a, a too big word, so it's why I don't use it uh, uh, easily, but it's a good word. It means that uh, they want to come, go back to the fundamentals of the religion, So, uh, and the term was uh, coined by uh, Protestants in the early uh, uh, 20th century. Uh, they opposed, you know, the, the self-secularization of Protestantism, uh, which uh, was a, a product of the uh, 20th uh, century and they wanted to come back to the fundamentals. The Salafis are people who want to come back to the fundamentals. But the interesting thing that with these fundamentalists, they don't come back to the real history of the, the religion. They are all, you know, encouraged, you know, in the uh, uh, 18th century, uh, uh, the Wahhabi movement, uh, the um, uh, woke-up um, uh, movements of uh, uh, Protestantism, uh, uh, the uh, Haredi movement in mm. uh, Central and Eastern uh, Europe, and so. So it's a product of modernity. It's not the reaction of a traditional religion against modernity. Neo-fundamentalism is a pure product of modernity, and it's why it works. It's why young people can be fascinated with this kind of neo-fundamentalism. And all the neo-fundamentalism are not violent as such, you know, but they have a potentiality of violence because they consider that the other part of the society is not friendly towards them. This deculturation of religion has a consequence. Inside a, a, a common society, there is no more a gray zone between the believers and the atheist people. You know, there is no this kind of transition, people who believe strongly, who believe sometimes we believe, well, uh, superficially, we don't really believe, but belong, we uh, uh, belong without believing, and so on. So, uh, this is the traditional, you know, uh, attitude uh, uh, of evil towards religion in a society, which means that you have a bridge, a continuum uh, inside the society. With the neo-fundamentalist movements, you are in or you are out. Uh, you are born again, or uh, you are a pagan. You, know, um, uh, you are a good Muslim, or you are not a Muslim at all. So there is a potentiality uh, of uh, violence, uh, but uh, at the roots of religious radicalization, you have this deculturation of religion. And deculturation is very anxiogen, you know, because you are never sure about your faith. You are never sure, you know, that you will be saved. There is something profoundly Calvinist uh, in uh, uh, fundamentalism. Uh, this um, anxiety uh, uh, might effectively turn towards violent attitudes, like we see with uh, some young Muslims. So this is a very Weberian understanding that it's an existential anxiety. As you say, this is maybe the modern condition. So you're almost saying that if you want to be religious in in modernity, you'll end up there. No, 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 <laughs> not necessarily, fortunately, uh, enough. No, I mean, uh, we, we don't take enough into consideration this dimension. I'm not saying that, the, that this is the explanation, no. But uh, we make a wrong assessment when we think that uh, uh, um, violence in religion is a consequence of a theological reasoning. Mm. that you uh, work on, uh, uh, you interpret uh, the sacred text 
you spent years, you know, studying the text, and after years of studying, you came to the conclusion, yes, uh, uh, we should go for jihad. No, yeah. it's not never the way uh, mm. uh, it works, no. You go for jihad first, and then you say, okay, by the way, uh, uh, um, how can I uh, explain that by uh, using the text? Uh, in Afghanistan, there were very few Western jihadists. Mm. Most of them came from the Arab uh, 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 and from uh, Middle East and from Turkey. Uh, but uh, Bosnia, so it's just six years after the Afghan mm. war. Bosnia, a uh, 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 significative part of the foreign mujahideen came from France, Great Britain, and so on. So we have in 1995 the change of generation. Uh, we have a second generation of jihadists. And this uh, second generation mostly came from the West. Mm. Uh, uh, the first uh, terrorist attack uh, made by this uh, new generation is the uh, Khaled Kelkal in Lyon in 1995, it was the first homegrown terrorist. All the other terrorists who uh, uh, acted, you know, in the West before came from the Middle East and went back to the Middle East mm. uh, after uh, 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 attacking the, the, the target. But this is where your book starts. Yeah. It begins with that generation of homegrown European terrorists uh, attack in 1995. And it's based on a sample or you have collected data on all the really well-known terrorists. How many are you working on? Uh, I took you know, a list of uh, all the guys who were involved in a terrorist attack or terrorist attempt in France and Brussels uh, between 1995 uh, 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 and now. So more than 20 years. Oh. And, how and many I people? added to them some uh, of uh, the big names who went to Syria. Mm. for jihad, or to Afghanistan uh, before, and so and so. So I had a database of uh, about 150, because unfortunately, uh, every six months, we have to add uh, names to, to this list. Mm. And uh, uh, so my idea was just that, uh, instead of debating what is the meaning of jihad, is Islam compatible with, is Islam violent by nature, or by accident, or by what you want, or so, I said, Let's take the trajectories of the guys, you know. Let's do basic sociological work. Uh, 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 150 names uh, of guys who were personally involved, so there is no gray zones. Um, and I look, uh, 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 I take a dozen, you know, of uh, markers, uh, age, uh, origin, and so on. And uh, uh, there are conclusions, you know, the idea, oh, there is no profile, and so there are different profiles, but yes, we do know something about the guys who, are, who became terrorists or jihadists. 65% uh, of them are second generation, uh, uh, Muslim migrants, uh, which is interesting because in 1995, you could say it's normal. You know, 1995, it's uh, the, the decade where uh, the second generation, uh, uh, the coming of age of the second generation. But in 2015, it's still, 60-65% uh, of second generation. Strange. Where is the third generation? No. Uh, uh, because there is a third generation now. The other part, 25% uh, are converts. Hmm. And, the, and that's quite amazing. That's quite amazing, you know. Uh, and the, number, the proportion of converts is growing, and the feminization of the converts is growing also. Hmm. Strange, you know. How do you explain, for instance, people who say, uh, um, there is a radicalization of uh, the Muslim communities in Europe. Okay, 
Okay. How do you explain that in Germany, so the uh, majority of the Muslims have a, are of Turkish origin, how do you explain that you have more German converts than Turks uh, 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 involved in terrorist and jihadist action? Uh, far more. Uh, why? Strange, you know. Uh, 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 how do you explain that in uh, uh, Holland, for instance, uh, you have uh, very few Turks, mm, you have converts, and uh, you have Moroccans, mm, which are not the majority of the uh, 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 migrant population, and so and so. So, uh, 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 how do you explain that in all terrorist cells mm, active in France and Belgium, you, in every, uh, you have an astonishing number of brothers? In all, uh, uh, Bataclan, Zaventem, uh, 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 half of uh, the uh, uh, terrorists were with at least one of their brothers. Uh, why? You know. And this is something you don't find uh, uh, elsewhere. You find brothers in the IRA, uh, uh, but in the IRA you found also the fathers. Mm. So it was a family, you had a family tradition of radicalization. Uh, uh, but with uh, the Islamic, uh, Islamists, what you want, terrorists, no, the parents are uh, uh, never involved, or almost never involved. The parents always are opposed uh, to uh, uh, the decision of their uh, kids to go for jihad. And the parents often call the police. 50% of the, uh, uh, my sample, uh, uh, have uh, uh, a past of petty delinquence, 50%. And the problem now is to interpret, you know, uh, to find an explanation, and that's another story. I have many explanations in the book, but uh, 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 then you have to interpret. But at least we should start from existing data and not from big ideas uh, on uh, what Islam is, um, uh, what uh, uh, radicalization means, and so this too abstract, you know, we have to go back to facts. In Denmark, by far the most uh, important terrorists we had who committed a, a, a severe terrorist act, killing two people, he fits your description very well. He was in prison, he, he, he was of a Palestinian origin, second generation, he uh, didn't uh, know terribly, was not known to be very devout or anything, um, and he was hanging out with his friends in kind of game stores and playing stuff and so on. And all of a sudden he made a decision, and you write that too in your material, that it's a very short span from finding this new ideology to actually per perpetrating the terrorism. It's as if uh, um, some of these people, they were nobodies and they could become somebodies. What, what do we do about this type of <laughs> jihadist? That's, uh, um, what I'm describing is the guys who are going for terrorism and jihadism. That's not the whole story, you know. We have people uh, uh, who are born again Muslims and we don't think about jihad. You know, they just think about uh, uh, salvation. So the picture uh, is complex. We're speaking about a small minority, but of course this small minority is uh, uh, the guys who are uh, 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 making the trouble. Uh, what is, uh, why did they join Daesh? What is the strength of Daesh? You know? uh, what is the genius of Daesh for me is that they have, they have set up a narrative which is based on two things. One is a traditional Muslim political imaginary. 
the caliphate, the sharia, jihad, you know, something which, uh, uh, with some sort of oriental uh, 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 beauty, if I can say that. You know, an, almost an orientalist uh, uh, image of the uh, first time of Islam. And they have expressed this traditional political imaginary by using uh, the aesthetic of the modern Western youth culture. Uh, uh, video games, uh, uh, um, they are staging violence. You, know. you see that uh, the, the motivation is to fight, you know, uh, 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 the image of the fighting hero and uh, 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 two Afghans. Uh, and suddenly the poor guy, the loser, you know, in the West, is a uh, convert of the generation of what you want. He's a hero. Uh, he has the power of death. And uh, 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 he has uh, the power on uh, women. That's this kind of aesthetic plays a big role uh, in uh, the fascination for Daesh. And the problem we have is uh, um, we don't know how to fill this space of imaginary, you know. Uh, this space of uh, aesthetic of violence, you know. Uh, we have nothing. Uh, what do we have? Good Islam. Uh, yes, good Islam. Well, that's <laughs> very... Uh, 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 or um, uh, just uh, find a job, you know, find a job, you know. Ah, if uh, we could provide jobs, they would not become radicals. Right? that, you know, it's uh, not because they're jobless that they be, uh, uh, become radicals. Uh, there is a positive attraction in Daesh. Uh, uh, and uh, what is the answer in Europe? It's, so the idea is, so there is a link between Daesh and Islam, which is true. No? Uh, so the idea is we should reduce uh, 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 the religious space. First about Islam, but if we touch Islam, we touch the, the very idea of religion. Take an example, you know, so say, oh, uh, no veil at school. Okay, that's in France. It means that the, in the mind of the people, you consider that any sign of visible faith is a sign of potential radicalization, which is a problem. You know, where is uh, uh, the field of freedom of religion in this case? Mm. We have to accept some kind you know, of uh, uh, religious space, including in the public space. Den samtale mellem Olivier Roy og Jakob Skovgaard Petersen, som du netop har hørt, blev optaget på international forfatterscene i Dronningesalen på det Kongelige Bibliotek. I samme podcastserie kan du også høre Lykke Fris fra det udenrigspolitiske selskab interviewe politologen Ivan Krastev om Europas krise. Du kan finde interviewet det selvsamme sted, som du fandt den podcast, du lige har lyttet til. Podcastserien er støttet af Statens Kunstfond, Politikkenfonden, Europanævnet og Augustinusfonden. Europæiske idéer er også en bogserie, og i den serie er udkommet Ivan Krastevs bog Efter Europa. Den bog kan du købe på butik.information.dk. Tak for denne gang.